You know, it makes me think of the, the church I grew up in saying that old hymn, I surrender all. Mm-hmm. I think of my life, I don't surrender all, I surrender some. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But it's those ones you just, you know, you got your hands so tightly clamped around because you don't want to surrender. You don't want to let him have his way. Hey, everyone. Welcome back for an all new episode of the A Wife Like Me podcast. We're so excited to have you on, whether you're listening or watching on YouTube. We're so glad you're here. Um, As always, I'm Amanda Davison, and we have a special guest with us today. She's got a brand new book out we're going to be diving into and a topic that we know you're going to love and that we commonly get questions on um, regarding trust. And so please welcome Karen Eman. Hey, Karen. Hey, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me. I'm going to read your bio and then you can share anything else you want uh, to share as well. But Karen Eman is a New York Times bestselling author with Proverbs 31 Ministries, as well as a writer for Encouragement for Today, an online devotional that reaches more than 4 million women daily. She has authored 18, 18, 18 books. That's incredible. Including Keep It Shut, which we've given away a number of those, and Reach Out, Gather In. Married to her college sweetheart, Todd, she's the mom of three adult children and two children-in-law, although she forgets which are which. The Emans reside in the middle of the Mitten State, Michigan. Is it still Michigan? It is. Yes. Got it. So welcome, Karen. And Karen, I don't know if you know this, but we met at She Speaks probably like 10 years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was a fun time. I don't think I got a picture, but I remember meeting you. I think it was like a breakout or... I don't remember what it was, but it was just fun. And then we haven't chatted since. So this is exciting. Yeah, that's funny. I run into so many people that are like, I talked to you at She Speaks. We were in the elevator, remember? And I'm like, oh, I wish I could remember every single person because I just love that conference. And I love seeing people who want to get involved in ministry, writing, speaking, podcasting, all of the above. So that's fun. I'm glad to know that it's our second time to hang out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you and Ruth Schwenk uh, just recently wrote a book. It is beautiful. If you are not watching on YouTube, you should head over there and check it out. The cover is gorgeous. The inside interior is beautiful. It's trusting God in all the things, 90 devotions for finding your peace in every day. Who doesn't need that? Uh, And so I love this so much, not only because I love beautiful things, but because the content is so applicable. And we need this. What what follower of Jesus or non-follower of Jesus doesn't want to understand like how to trust? And what does that look like when we actually place our trust in the Lord? How can we, like, what does it look like in our everyday lives? And what is the result of that? And so I love this. I love this so much. Um, and that's actually like one of the first questions I have is when we look at trusting God, or when we say that phrase, I think we... We can say that, but we often don't really know what that looks like. Like, practically speaking, what does it look like for us to trust God in all the things? I think, first of all, it's just really important and very helpful to know what trust really even means. Like, what is the definition of trust? Because when we think about trusting and believing and relying upon God, it always makes me think of this analogy. I don't know if anybody else out there has ever had or ever grew up with a pastor that used the same analogy over and over again, but I did. And I'm so glad he did because I remember it now because I want to use it right now because it was such a good one. He said that um, one time there was this famous person that used to cross Niagara Falls on a tightrope 
And not only, I wish I could remember the name of them, but not only would they cross the tightrope from side to side by themselves, but they would push a wheelbarrow across back and forth, back and forth. They would put weights in the wheelbarrow, big rocks or something and push it back and forth, back and forth. And so whoever the MC or, you know, uh, person that was kind of hosting that day was, they said, how many of you believe he can do this? How many believe he can put more weight in there? And everyone, the crowds was cheering and yeah, we believe, we believe. And he would put more weight in it and go back and forth. And the crowd was just amazed that this guy could do this. And they said, now, do you really believe, do you really believe that he can do this? He's going to put more weight in there. Who believes that he can do it? Yeah, we do, we do, we do. And they said, oh, wait a minute, which one of you wants to get into the wheelbarrow? And nobody volunteered. They're like, "Uh uh-uh, not doing it. So like just believing something can happen is not really trusting God. It's when we're we're willing to get into the wheelbarrow, you know, Mm -hmm. and go across that tightrope that we trust God so much that we're willing to, as the the biblical definition, the Greek word doesn't just mean to believe in with your head, but to stake your life upon, like to Mm -hmm. believe it so much. You trust him so much that you're willing to just, you know, do some things that uh, don't seem sensible you know, mm-hmm. in the human mind and to just really believe him that he is who he says he is and he can do what he says that he can do and that he has our best interests in mind, even when we don't think he does. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of getting out of the sidelines and getting in the wheelbarrow. Mm. Yeah, I like that analogy. It's like, no, yeah, he can, he can. You're all excited. And then he's like, but I don't actually want to like experience, like, I don't want to be the right. willing participant. <laughs> right, right. You know, um, that's so good. So what about like, practically speaking, like mm-hmm. in these practical areas of our lives, can you talk to us about trust in like practically everyday kind of situations? Well, for me, I like to kind of think first of identifying areas where I need to trust God. And f- for me, that means those areas that my brain goes to and starts to worry about, mm-hmm. those are the areas where I need to trust God. So one practical thing that I just like to do, it sounds really simple and it's not original to me, but it's very, very helpful is to take that list of worries that pop into your mind and turn them into your prayer list. Mm-hmm. Like, don't just sit there and spend your time. And I am totally preaching to myself on this one, like preaching to my 45 minutes ago self on this one. You and I were just talking about some things before we came on air. Those things that, that you and I were talking about, I had to tell myself today, you know, I had to just preach to myself and say, don't spend your time worrying about that. Spend your time praying about it. So mm. as much as it kind of sounds like a, a really pat Christian answer, I think when we can turn our list of worries into our prayer list and really earnestly take those things before God, expect him to work, not just check them off as a checklist to say we've prayed through them, but just to ask him to continually bring them to our mind whenever we need to remember them in prayer and let God do what he does through prayer, which is change us. He doesn't always change the situations that we're kind of lacking trust about, but he changes us. We learn to rely on him more. We learn to have our faith be stretched and grow. And it encourages other people when they see us go through a hard time where we just don't know how it's going to turn out. But instead of fretting about it and worrying about it and wasting our energy complaining about it, we just really say, Lord, I don't know all what you're doing here, but I know you're good. I know you love me. I know you're not playing a big joke on me. You're not tricking me. You're not trying to do something to make me cry. You can see what I can't see. So I'm just going to trust you in this one. And I'm going to do the next thing. I'm going to go on with life. But when I feel you tapping me on the heart, I'm going to take that energy I would spend on worrying. And I'm going to pray instead. 
Mm, that's so, that's like you say, it sounds like a pat answer, but it is actually practical and it changes our heart posture toward the Lord, not only like mentally and our, what are, what we're thinking on, but our heart then changes and our thoughts change when we actually do then just bring it to the Lord and surrender that to him. I think mm-hmm. that's like, for me, a big part of, um, when I think about trusting the Lord, it's, it involves that surrender piece of, I have to be willing to release what I think this should be like, or what I don't know what it will yet look like. I need to like, it's my heart choice of like surrendering that, even though I don't know what's on the other side or, you know, what the outcome is going to be or whatever. I'm going to choose to just trust you in this and surrender it. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but. You know, it makes me think of the the church I grew up in saying that old hymn, I surrender all. Mm. And I think when I think of my life, I don't surrender all, I surrender some, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's those ones you just, you know, you've got your hands so tightly clamped around because you don't want to surrender. You don't want to let him have his way because you kind of want your own way. And so you'd rather just try to talk him into your way. Right. But I think what's really helpful for me in those times is to look at the past. Like when I'm fearing the future and I'm dreading what might happen or I'm lacking trust, I'm you know wondering what God's up to, to just let my mind go back to the past and the times when I was at this exact point, like I didn't know what was going on. I didn't think that what was starting to unfold was the right thing and the good thing and what I wanted in my life. But fast forward and I see what God did and how he took me a completely different direction than what I was, you know, suggesting to him that he do. And yet it turned out so much better than I ever could have imagined. Then when I go back in my mind to those times, I think, oh, well, maybe this is one of those times where I think we really need to go, A, this is how I want things to unfold. And God's saying, no, we're going to go B. And actually, when my husband and I were first married, we did this in journal form. We had this little book that we called our I Spy Journal, the I Spy the Lord Working. And so sometimes we would write down things where we were lacking trust because of finances or we were not trusting him with a certain family member or with a certain situation with one of our kids. And we would write down the outcomes where we would spy the Lord, either taking care of us financially or taking care of those relationships. And I still have that little journal. And sometimes I go back and I just reread it and I go, yeah, I remember this. Mm. I was so freaking out that this was like the end of life as I knew it. Everything was going to be horrible. I couldn't, you know, even imagine the future. I was so dreading it. And look, look what God did. He did something so out of the box and it remedied the situation. It was nothing I ever would have thought of. And he met me there. He brought me through it. I'm better for it. I trust him more. Oh, that's right. I need to calm down because Mm -hmm. he can do that again. But I think Mm -hmm. we forget. We just forget of the time that he has, has been there for us in the past. Yes. So true. Or the situation looks completely different. So how could he do something good out of this? Cause this looks nothing like that. You know, the reasons in our mind, we can think like that God's not that big, is he like, you know, cause this is not what I thought it would be. And I'm uh, studying Naaman right now for uh, an upcoming, an upcoming speaking engagement. And I love and yet don't love how he responds to the Lord about his healing. He wanted to be healed of leprosy. And so he gets his king to write 
the king of Israel a letter. And so he gets the letter, he gets gifts and money, and he makes the trek to visit this king of Israel. And when he gets there, the king of Israel doesn't even come out to meet him. He just sends his servant out with a message. And the message was to go in the river and wash himself seven times. And he was like, what? Are you kidding me? Like the rivers in my own hometown are way better than this river. Why would I bathe in this river? So he refuses and he leaves. And I just think like, it's, it wasn't what he expected. And so he was like, I don't want this. This isn't going to be good. There's no way the Lord can move here in this. And yet God was saying, just like, would you just simply obey and, and humble yourself enough to just trust me here? And um, I just think that's so beautiful. And I love that the devotional does that. And actually, too, how you open it up. I, I was like laughing last week when I was reading through it. It was so great because I love even Jesus was overwhelmed. And like he, he was overwhelmed. I don't know. I mean, I'm just thinking of all the reasons we get overwhelmed. And then that even is a barrier to us trusting and being overwhelmed with changing circumstances with unknown in an unknown future, just all the reasons we can feel overwhelmed, the kids, you know, whatever circumstances, but to be able to look at all these different practical ways within this devotional, then in our real life and, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, even if we haven't lived it, like you're saying, you know, you don't, maybe some of, some of you listening don't have something you can go back to and like, oh yeah, I can remember that. Well, you can also remember scripture and you can re- read the devotional and, and see that and just see the different ways that God's working um, throughout it. So I just love that. Yeah. And when, you know, that, that opening devotion is, was written by my co-author Ruth. And when we talk about overwhelming, of course, we're not saying that, you know, Jesus buckled under his schedule like we do sometimes, but when you look at the reality of his life, it was overwhelming. All the relationships that he had, he had the crowds that were clamoring for him. He had, you know, his 12 best friends he was pouring into. He had his three closest friends that he poured into. He had family, he had things to do. And yet he uh, was able to completely trust in his father, even though his schedule was overwhelming. And Mm -hmm. it's so true that we can go to scripture, you know, if we can't go back in the past or we, you know, can't just calm ourselves down by just praying because I can't always do that, but we can go to scripture and we can just see the faithfulness of God in so many situations. Mm -hmm. And we can draw strength from that, that that same God that met those characters in the Bible is available to us today. So speaking of scriptures, what are some of your favorites that you rely on and turn to, to help trust? One of my um, most favorite ones is Psalm 62, five, and I'll read it for you. This is in the CSB version. It says, rest in God alone, my soul for my hope comes from him. And I love to dig down deep. I'm kind of a Bible nerd. I like to look at the Hebrew and the Greek meanings of certain words. And if you look at the uh, original language that the Old Testament, including Psalms, was written in. Psalm 62.5, when it says to rest in God alone, that word alone, it really doesn't just mean like just him by himself. It means this in the original, I said Greek, in the original Hebrew. In stark contrast to any other idea, the only solution that works and the real one rather than the counterfeit. And so when I kind of drill down deep in the Hebrew of that verse and what it means to rest in God alone, I especially like that last um, definition, the real one rather than counterfeit, because I think so many times, Amanda, 
we try to rest in counterfeit things. We think, oh, you know what I need? I need a spa day. I just need a spa day. I am not against spa days. <laughs> Anybody wants to gift me with a spa day, I will take it. My daughter often gifts me with spa days when I go down and visit her. She lives, I live in Michigan. She lives in North Carolina. And she's like, we're going to the spa. And I'm like, that's great. Let's do it. But that can't be the remedy for my worn out soul. It can help me calm down. It can help me relax. But it's kind of a counterfeit means if I'm putting all my trust in, oh, you know, as long as I have a spa day per quarter, I get four this year, then I'll be fine. That's mm -hmm. a counterfeit measure. Also, I love that that Hebrew meaning that in stark contrast to any other idea, the only solution that works because we think some of these counterfeit things are going to work. We think, well, if I just clear my schedule, well, if I just, you know, get the right group of friends, they'll help me through this tough time. If I just have that perfect husband, which hello, newsflash, none of us has, right? Exactly. If I just, you know, I don't know, study my Bible an hour a day, nothing wrong with studying Bible an hour a day. It's a great thing to study your Bible an hour a day, but these checklist parts of Christianity where we're trying to do it, like, just to check off a list, which I'm letting you know, that is me. I, I am a list maker. I like to be productive. I like to check lists off. Sometimes I do something that wasn't on my list. And I go write it down just so I can check it off. <laughs> but we can't, we can't rely on checklist Christ Christianity to find our rest because that's not, that's kind of counterfeit. It's not the real thing. We find our rest in God alone, in going to him earnestly, in prayer, in lamenting, in pouring our hearts out to him, in trusting him alone and in rehearsing in our minds, his faithfulness and telling of his faithfulness and really like getting in that wheelbarrow and knowing it's only him that's going to get me from point A to point B. These other things may help and they may be good, but I can't tether my, my happiness or my well-being or my, my mental well-being. I can't tether any of that to anything in life other than Jesus. It has to be in him alone that I trust. Yeah. It's so good. And it, it gives you just a picture, like hearing this conversation, like our souls probably long to feel that sense of safety that comes when we do surrender all. And, you know, like, I, I'm just thinking of so many different examples. But I, I also, you know, wonder if, if anyone is like listening. And I hear many women say, you know, I'm just so busy that even when I do slow down enough to try to, I don't know, rest or, you know, do some of the things we're chatting about, I still feel so rushed. Like my soul is still unsettled, even when I'm still. And, you know, that might be because I mean, for so many reasons, but I'm just thinking, you know, for many of us, we might need this encouragement to actually like, rela um, release even the need to be doing producing, um, and lean into that uncomfortableness that we feel or that unsettledness, because the Lord wants to meet you there and he wants to show you, you know, what it feels like to surrender. But if we don't engage in that process of meeting with him and like building intimacy with him and starting to hear from him and, you know, um, slowing enough to even be with him for our souls to hear and, and experience his presence, we're not going to get there. And so this is such a great tool to be able to do that. So if you're wondering, like, I don't know where to start. Well, if you don't have a Bible. We always send out a Bible to anyone who doesn't have one. So just message us, comment below in the video, email us info at wifelikeme.com. Um, but also then get a copy of, of, of trusting God in all the things because it's a devotional that walks you through um, 
90 days, 90 different devotions. So love, love, love. How about this, Karen? How can we begin? Because I know this is a big theme, obviously, throughout the book. And so if someone's listening or watching, how can we exchange maybe our fears and anxieties for trust in the Lord? Well, I think not only um, is it important to make it part of your prayer list, but I think it's really important to get some accountability with just one friend that you can share with, honestly, the things that you are having a hard time trusting God with. I have a friend that I walk with in the morning and we kind of take turns day to day, you know, what's going on in your life? Where, where are you feeling anxious? Where are you feeling stressed? Who are you worried about? Because we both have adult children. And beyond, you know, just getting the strength from the Lord, I think it's so important to be able to verbalize it with someone else that you know is praying for you, that you know, of course, you can always stop and pray to God anytime you want. But it reminds me of that story. I wish I could remember who told it. I've heard it a million times about um, the little girl that was praying and wanted her her daddy right next to her. And and he had things to do and he'd already prayed with her. And he said, you know, well, I've got to go now. You can finish. You can just keep praying. God's always here. He's always with you. And she said, I know Jesus is always with me, but sometimes I just want Jesus with skin on. Like, I want you, you here because you're Jesus with skin on. And she thought, saw her dad as that. And I think that's true in our, our walk with the Lord as adults. Yes, we can go to God in prayer. He is the true, not counterfeit one. He's the only place we find rest and, and the only one we can trust. But he has put people in our lives. Life is all about relationships. And so having that person that you can verbalize with the things you're struggling with, things you're afraid and worried about, and they can do the same with you. And then you can spend time praying for each other or just quick shoot them a text and say, you know, that worries bubbling up in my mind again, you know, please pray. There are sometimes I just text that person one word, just pray. And like, she doesn't even know. She's like, Oh God, do something. Cause she doesn't even know what, what it is that I need. But like, right then I'm just feeling like I need somebody to help me and support me and help take me to the throne. And so as much as it is all about our relationship with God, God also works through relationships. And I think having a person that you can honestly share with, and especially if you're having some relational struggle, not someone that you can gossip with and, you know, tell about, I don't know, the incident with your sister-in-law that you're all upset about, you know, we're not, we're not doing this as a way to vent and gossip, but have it be a person that you can properly process life with. Cause you know, I'll talk to my friend about, I don't have any trouble with my sister-in-law, but if I did, you know, I could talk to her and properly process it with, I'm not trying to gossip. I know that she's going to speak truth to me. I know that maybe she'll take my sister-in-law's side and say, hmm, the way you're describing that scenario, I kind of feel like she wasn't out of line to say that to you, you know, and that person will apply, help me apply scripture to the situation. They'll really help whatever relational conflict I'm having, you know, lay it out in line and try to line it up with scripture and try to point me toward God and in the right direction. They're not going to be a place where I can just vent and gossip. I'm not saying that at all, but having a close friend like that, I know for me, it just, it just helps me know I'm not alone. And it helps me to go to God more frequently and more regularly. And I grow from seeing her and the things that happen in her life and transpire that, that she was worried about, that she was trusting about. And look how God moved. I see it up close in her life. She sees it up close in my life. And I, I think it just really can be 
of benefit. If you have that close friend you can process life with that will help you, you know, take your hand and help you trust God. Yes. I'm thinking of my counselor too, like how helpful my actual counselor is like in flesh. And we know from scripture, Holy Spirit is our wonderful counselor. Like he loves Mm -hmm. to show us what's going on. And I'm growing in that area myself of learning, Amanda, you can ask him to show you too, like, what's in the way? Like, what walls do I have up? What, you know, what is, why is this so difficult for me? Why do I feel anxiety about that? Show me, show me what I'm not seeing, you know, in this situation. Um, And he loves to show you those things and speak to you about those things. So that's so helpful. Thank you, Karen. Um, How about this? I love this question. Um, You write that when believers encounter difficult circumstances, we also, or we often ask why, how can we change that question and instead ask something different? Oh, by the way, in my life so often, I feel like a toddler, you know, following their parent around just why, why, you know how they are when they're young and they want to know why for everything. And sometimes I, I, you know, I look at my life, I've gone through a lot of grief in the last three years. We moved to a new town three years ago to be closer to my mom and my dad and stepmom and my, my husband's mom. We'd be a little closer to her too. And all four of those grandparents have died in the last three years. And other things have happened in that three years, the pandemic hit, other situation in my life. And sometimes I felt like I was just constantly going around going, why? Like, why? Why did the Lord move me to a new town? Brand new town. We had lived in our old town for over 30 years. Why did he move me to a new town to be closer to my dad when he fell and died three weeks later? Why? You know, and so it's easy to get caught up in the why. And then you start to, you know, have yourself a little pity party, throw a pity party and you're the only guest. And those are miserable. But I do. I do that all the time. But instead of asking why, I like to try to to say, okay, what now? Okay, Mm. that happened. I might never know why my dad passed away, you know, fell and passed away three weeks after we moved. And then my stepmom died the next year. And then my mom died the next year. And then a couple months later, my mother-in-law, all four of them, we moved to be closer by, gone, all gone. And I could sit here all day and say, why, why, why? But instead I go, okay, Lord, that happened. Didn't surprise you. You knew it was going to happen. So what now? Mm. What now? This is what I thought my life was going to look like. This is the reason I thought I was supposed to be in this town. But it's not, obviously, because that reason was now removed. So what now? And just be on the lookout and be very earnest in prayer. And I don't mean that in like a like real spiritual sounding way, but just like simple, simple, simple prayer. Every morning, you just go, Lord, today, show me who I'm supposed to notice. Maybe that person who least expects to be seen. Tap me on the heart when I'm supposed to reach out to someone, even if it's Someone I haven't talked to in in years. Bring people to my mind. Life is all about relationships. Show me the people with whom I'm supposed to inter- intersect with today. You know, who, who's my life naturally going to intersect with? It could be the UPS person. You know, there's always reasons to be alive. There are always people. I had a mentor of mine. Um, she's actually the woman that led me to the Lord when I was 16. She said that she could learn to be happy anywhere because anywhere that she lived, whether it was a tiny little town, she was a pastor's wife. And sometimes they were in a big city and a big church. And sometimes they were in a tiny little town. And she said, wherever you live, there's always people 
wherever there are people, there's always ministry. So be on the lookout. Ask the Lord every morning. Show me who. Show me who. My mom used to have this philosophy. It's such a great one to live by. She was a single mom living on a budget so tight it squeaked and her white picket fence dreams had fallen apart when my father left our family. My father came back to the Lord later. It has a good ending at the end. But during that time when, you know, she should have been just devastated and, and complaining and down in the dumps. I never heard her complain once because she had this philosophy that no matter what was going on in your life, circumstances got you down, you were down in the dumps, you were depressed, whatever it was. She said you needed to remind yourself that there's always someone out there who has it worse off than you. Mm-hmm. So here's what you do, she would say. Go find that person and do something to make their day. And in a strange way, it ends up making yours as well. And I think her advice is so spot on and I've seen it in my life. I've tried to live it. And and especially in this day and age, I feel like, Amanda, we have our eyes on the wrong people. We have the our eyes on the people who have life better than us. Oh, wow, their marriage seems more romantic. Their husband's more attentive. Wow, they look like they have a bigger house. Oh, their child just got student of the month. We look at all these people who seem to have life better off than us and we compare ourselves. And then, you know, we start going, why, why? Well, why do they have it? And why her, why them? And instead go, no, say what now? What in my life, my ordinary life, what people are my paths naturally crossing with? Who can I do something for? This happened to me like three times this weekend. I was having a really bad weekend. I was doing a lot of the why, why, whys. And I thought, no, take your own advice. Ask the Lord to tap you on the heart when you meet someone. My husband and I had a bunch of stuff to do Saturday farmers markets and plant sales at the local college. We just had all these errands. And at the end of the day, there were three people that I know my husband and I were supposed to talk to Mm -hmm. that our lives intersected with that I was able to encourage. And I'm like, yes, wherever there are people, there is opportunity for ministry. And we need to quit thinking about all the things we don't have and open our eyes to what we do have right in front of us. And it makes life an adventure. Every day can be an adventure because there's somebody you can encounter that needs to be encouraged. So true. And it's often the last place we go because when we're hurting, when it's hard, when we're confused, you know, the last thing we think of is, hmm, like, I wonder who else, like who around me needs the love of Jesus today? Like, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, like you say, pity party for me. And I'm so self-focused in this. And it is hard and it does hurt. And all it is true. Like, it can be very real. And yet in that place, what if we then turned our focus to other people? I love that. So that's beautiful. So thanks. Um, Why don't you tell us, how can we find the book? How can we find you? Tell everyone listening, watching where they can get the book. Yeah, the easiest place is probably just to go to my website, KarenEman.com. And Karen, I mean, Eman is spelled E-H-M-A-N. And there on the homepage, you can see all about the book. You can see where I'm hanging out on social media. Instagram is my favorite. And I would love to connect with people. Yes, and we will link the book and link Karen and Ruth in the show notes uh, for you watching, listening. So it's easy for you to find all of them and the book. Um, but thank you so much, Karen. And thank you everyone for listening. We love being with you. We pray that this was beneficial and helpful and encouraging. And hey, fun fact, we're actually going to give away a copy of Trusting God in All the Things. So if you're listening or watching, we'll check both. Um, comment below and um, tell us that you want the book. And we will pick a fun winner um, the Friday after this episode comes out. So 
We'll be watching. And thank you again, Karen, for being with us. We so appreciate it. And thank you for your words in the book. So, so, so beautiful. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everyone.